You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We've been looking at that time period between the resurrection and the day of Pentecost. And in that time, we find that Jesus appeared to many, many people after he was crucified and raised on the third day, that he appeared to them. And at one occasion, over 500 people were present when he showed up. Uh, that would be a good church meeting, don't you think? Uh, that, that would be really cool. I Sign me up for that one. I, I would like to see that. That, that would be one of the reruns in, in heaven when we get there. Hopefully all these will be filed and documented. We can go back and watch the story and see how it looked. But in that period, after 40 days of teaching about the kingdom to his disciples, uh, he ascends and he takes his place. The Lord Jesus takes his place at the right hand of the Father. And his command to his disciples is to go to Jerusalem and wait. What are they supposed to wait for? The promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So you guys got it. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus has ascended to take his place at the right hand of the Father, he has all authority in heaven and on earth, as, as found in Matthew 28. He has all authority. And so now in exercising his authority, what's he do? releases the Holy Spirit to us. And so we looked last week. Last week was Pentecost Sunday. We looked at the day of Pentecost. We looked at the day when when the Spirit was released upon the earth. We looked at some of the similarities between that and creation and how the Holy Spirit was involved when there was just this this formless void, this abyss, and, and God spoke as the Holy Spirit hovered and things were created. Holy Spirit loves to create. I wonder what he'd like to create in us today. Anybody need something that you need created? Maybe it's something that you had and it's broken. Like a pancreas that doesn't put out enough insulin at the right time, which means I can't have all the desserts I want. (laughs) Got to watch my carbs. Man, I would love a creative work on my pancreas. That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. How many, need, how many would, would, would stand in line for a creative work in their pancreas? Okay. 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 Who needs heart? How's your heart? Anybody need a new valve, uh, opening of, of the plumbing? Uh, your plumbing lines are getting clogged up. Yeah. You need, you... Who needs a new mind? <laughs> <laughs> Who realizes this one's not functioning the way we'd like it to function? As you get older, it seems to happen. We, we become much more aware of the renewing of the mind aspect of walking with Jesus. Yeah, daily renew it. So we see that as we look at the Holy Spirit and we look at what's happening in the church today, what's happening in our lives as individual believers today, the question that comes to us is, how do we get to where we really want to be? And some of you may be where you want to be, but you don't know that there's more. So you got content with where you are, thinking this is as good as it gets. We could do a movie on that, couldn't we? 
this is as good as it gets. And, and that's just a lie. This is not as good as it gets. Matter of fact, we've just started. Uh, we've just started. It's going to get better. Yeah. It's going to get better. Now, we understand some of, the, some of the prophecy and stuff like that, that in the world it's going to get darker and darker. But in the family of God, in the church, it's supposed to get brighter and brighter. And if we try to, if we try to take our personal temperature based on what's happening in the world, we're in trouble. But if we take it based on our relationship with the anointed one, the Lord Jesus, guess what, folks? It's time to dance. Wow. I love the hallelujah. Hallelujah is one of my favorite words, even as a free Methodist, even as a mainline person. I loved hallelujah. Matter of fact, it's one of the things you can say in a lot of mainline denominations, especially some that's got their roots in more expression. You can say it any time and, and nobody looks at you weird. Dying old you know? So you just say hallelujah. Do you know how to say hallelujah in Taiwan? Whoa. Hallelujah. Hallelujah goes all the way through all the different languages. It's, it's just amazing. Hallelujah. It's, it's to praise the Lord. He is so worthy of praise. No and so as we, as we move into praise and, and we develop a lifestyle of praise and thanksgiving, we find that things just get better. Now, many have different kind of temperaments, and I'm aware of that. I'm the analytical like to dissect and get micro and so you know in in my true nature to the sanctity of my personality i never wanted to praise god for evil but it depends on how you define evil you know i would define evil every time my putt didn't go in that's evil <laughs> You know, and all of a sudden, anytime my team didn't win, that's evil. And anytime, you know, Debbie didn't kiss me, that, that was evil. Or, you know, you, you get into those kind of things, which is kind of like personal preference. When, when, when I don't get my own way, then it must be evil. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's, there's a way to thanks and praise the Lord when you don't get your way that transcends some of our little theological narrowness of, I won't praise God for evil. We can praise God for a lot of stuff. We can praise God and thank God for almost everything that happens in our lives. Even when they don't come from him, they come from evil, we know that he will work good, even in the midst of the enemy's best attempt to get us to doubt to, to move into fear, to move into unbelief, to move into anger, frustration, hostility. Huh. We can learn to thank and praise him for almost everything. Now when I say that, it sounds like, oh my, the preacher's really a nutcase, isn't he? What's wrong with him? Yeah. Praise the Lord, I ran out of gas. Oh, yes. No. It's, it's really not to focus so much on our situation, but whatever our circumstances are, we have an opportunity to live in the present and to, and to connect with him because he is I am. He is I am. 
He's not I will be. He's not I was. Although he's not bound by time and space, the name that he gave to reveal himself is that I am the one who is present. If you want to meet with God, you got to be present. I find as a, as a minister, one of the things that keeps me from connecting with God is that I'm preoccupied with what's coming next. You know, it's kind of in our culture. I, I'm a little league baseball player and I'm, I'm there and my coach is drilling to me, you know, into my head. What are you going to do if the ball comes to you and it's a grounder and there's runners on first and third and there's one out? And so I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I never want to get caught with my pants down, you know? So I'm constantly anticipating what's going to happen next. What's going to be the next thing? What happens if there's two outs and it's a pop-up, you know? And, and so I got this sports mentality that gets into my head that moves all the way through my academics, all the way through my ministry, all the way through my life. And what am I going to do when the ball's hit to me? And it's like, oh, you got to think of everything. You got to think of all of it. You got to constantly. And you know what happens? You're never present in the moment. You always think about what if, what could happen, what, what if this happens, what if that happens. And so you're doing the would have, could have, should haves, and, and you're trying to figure all this out. But God will only meet with you in the present. So what happened Saturday? Can't wait till church. I'll go to the house of the Lord and meet with God. No doubt about it. What happens when you get to the church? You're at the church and you're thinking, man, I got a heavy schedule this coming week. I better look and see what I need to get done. What happens at church? Uh, I, I missed breakfast this morning. I wonder where we should eat lunch. You know, oh, we get to church. Oh, the worship the worship. Can you believe they sang that song? Oh, that's the song that they played when my mother died. And so now they're all out of sorts. You know, they, they, the enemy will do whatever he can do in taking our fearful, fragmented, scattered ability to focus on the present because he knows that's where God is. God wants to meet us right now, right here. He wants to meet us. So what am I worried about? What's my next point? God wants to meet us. Oh, yes. Right now. No doubt. He really wants to meet us. Right on, brother. Yeah. And I'm thinking, how do we learn to live in the present? Last Sunday when Mike and, and the band was playing, thanks, Paul and Scott, and Malcolm last week. It's so wonderful. But I was, I was sharing with Mike later in the week how I really connected with the Lord in the present. It was like I had one of those moments where I knew that this is an opportunity to connect with the Lord, and I connected with him, and I was really focused. I wasn't worried about when communion's going to come. I wasn't worried about when the song was going to be over. I wasn't worried about if my microphone had enough battery powder. You know, I, I wasn't worried about all those crazy things that the enemy would try to slip in your head and get you, your focus off this way and that. I just focused on being present with him. And you know what? He was there. 
he was there. And when you, when you connect with God like that, you connect God in, in the now, in the present, guess what? I couldn't tell you how long I was with him. I didn't know when I <laughs> kind of came and became aware that the service was still going and I was still on planet Earth. And in a few moments, it was time for whatever was next in the service. Because when you connect with him in the now, you connect with the transcendent one who's not bound by time and space. And when you connect with him in the now, time is not a, it's almost like it's not a reality. It's, it's not an issue. It's not a, it's not a constraint. That's why sometimes you can have those moments with God and, and a few minutes can go by and it seems like you spent hours with him. It's like you, you, you went out of this realm into another realm and it's like, whoa. And then the one time when I, and you've heard my testimony, I, I knelt down to pray at 10.30 at night, thanking God that he spared my life <laughs> for all my little crazy religiousness that just was really full of nonsense. And as I was thanking him for that, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came and I had an encounter with the Lord in that moment in time and space. And it seemed like it was about 10, 15 minutes. And when I looked at my clock, it was 1.30 in the morning. I had just spent three hours in the presence of the Lord communing and fellowshipping with him and it seemed like five to 10, 15 minutes. It was like, and then, being a good little evangelical, I was really freaked out. I thought I had just entered the twilight zone. What happened here? And then I, I realized that my God is timeless, but he chooses to connect with his children in the present. You have to be present to connect with him. That's why the psalmist says, be still and know that I'm God. Why? To be still is not easy. When you finally get to be still, guess what? You're present. You're present. Uh -huh. That's why some of the, the church fathers and, and those that have gone before us have talked about different ways of releasing all the things that the enemy will use against us. And you remember one of the techniques was the releasing of everything that comes into your mind when you're going to spend time with the Lord. I usually use my, my hands to help me realize what's going on in my body, my mind, my being, my emotions. And so when I'm trying to center on the Lord, I put my hands in this posture with palms facing down. When my palms are facing down and my fingers are extended, I can't hold on to anything. And this is a symbol for saying, Lord, I release to you my fear about going to the dentist, I release to you, you know, that the bills are due and there's no money in the bank. I release to you um, my stomach that's wanting a hot fudge sundae right now. <laughs> I, I, I release to you. And so you just release whatever it is that's going to come in and interrupt your ability to connect with God in the present. And so you release, 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 release. And then you turn your palms over and now you're ready to receive. Lord, I receive to you your love that casts out all fear. I receive your presence. I receive 
these moments as a divine opportunity to so connect with you that I will be changed forever and ever. I receive this as a gift from you. And so with with our palms up, we're in a posture of receptivity. And as we receive, now the Holy Spirit begins to, to fill us with the Father's love. I love that in Romans 5. You know, that the Holy Spirit actually becomes the very funnel that the Father's love is poured out into our hearts. Love that. Okay, I better get on with the sermon now. I want us to look at the Holy Spirit, but we're going to kind of come in through the back door a little bit. Maybe it's a side door, not a back door. Philippians chapter 2 is an incredible passage of Scripture. As, I, as, as the Holy Spirit was taking me to this, and, and it was for one or two verses, I got so caught up in the passage that I thought, oh, I should preach the whole passage. But then I, I got checked, and that's probably for another day. But we'll read the whole thing just so you can be blessed, okay? Now, my desire in the reading of the Word is not for you to fall asleep, get on your telephones, start playing games, texting one another. I really want the Word of God to minister to you, okay? So let the Word of God wash over you in in an incredible way. And if your partner's sleeping, just, you know, gently nudge them. Don't give them a big... You know, they might jump up or something. Just a nice little massage. Come on, stay awake. Here we go. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And he finally got to a period. Those run-on sentences with Paul. Amazing, aren't they? Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. I was going to end before that, but we, uh, I thought, no, i got to put this in. we got to have this. Feel free if you want to kneel as, as, as we read this, because, you know, when I read this, I'm thinking, yeah, we need, we need to kneel. It's just like, oh. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess... What are we confessing? Christ Christ is Lord. Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Mm. Man. As I was looking at that passage, I thought, you know, as believers, we probably should take a knee every time we we hear Jesus Christ is Lord. There's going to be a, a time 
There's going to be an eschatological time when everything is climaxed and Jesus is seen for who he is and every knee will bow. In hell, every knee will bow. In heaven, every knee will bow. On earth, every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. I think it's a, probably a good habit to get, get into, just so that we, you know, I hear the national anthem, I take off my hat, put my hand over my stand. You hear Jesus Christ as Lord. Hmm. Yeah. What happens if you just hear the name Jesus and it just moves you? Wow. That ought to turn some heads on the construction crew who's not really praising Jesus, but they are using his name. Mm -hmm. And if we respond, that could be an interesting conversation waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. sounds, sounds interesting. What I want to focus on in this passage of Scripture that is just so rich and so full of so much stuff that is, as you see, as he, as he starts with this conditional phrase, if there's this, if there's this, if, you know, if, 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 then, and, and you start to see the, the following. He's talking about the richness that we have in Jesus and in the, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is one of the most uh, poignant aspects of, of that fellowship that we have with God. And as we do that, we see that the appeal is for us to take on the very attitude of Jesus. And here in the midst of this, as he's talking about, if you have this, if you have union with Jesus, if you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if, if there's any comfort, you know, and as, it, as he goes through all of that, as he's doing that, all of a sudden he lets us know what Jesus did. Do you realize when, when you're looking at Jesus you're looking at someone who's 100% God and 100% man. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% God and he's 100% man. They call it the hypostatic union. You know, it's, the, it's, the, it's something so crazy that they, they had to come up with a word to talk about how, how you take these two realities and press them. How can you have 100% and 100%? And I'm not positive, but that's what we have with Jesus. This passage just let, lets us know how he walked on the earth. That he emptied himself of his 100% God. That, it, that he took his divine abilities, his powers, his ability, he, he didn't grasp any kind of rivalry with the Father or the Holy Spirit that he came and he emptied himself, he humbled himself, he took upon the form of a servant, he even went all the way to the place of crucifixion, dying one of the, the, the most humiliating deaths known to man. He humbled himself completely that way and he was, he was in a position that the incredible stuff that we saw and, and Peter gets in that in chapter 2 when he, when he preaches the first message of the church. He talks about how Jesus demonstrated through the miracles. And it was attested by God that he was the Messiah. But he's also an example for us to understand how do we live. He emptied himself of all of that. And he was totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. When you look at the life of Jesus, 
He comes to earth, the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and births Jesus. Holy Spirit participating, active, okay? Then we go through his childhood. We get to where it's time for him to begin his ministry. He goes to John. He's baptized by John in the river of Jordan. The Holy Spirit comes down from heaven, taking the form of a dove and lighting upon Jesus. And the voice from heaven speaks and says, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. Now that's a good start. That's a good start. Spirit's on him. What's the spirit do? The spirit leads him into the wilderness. Oh, don't you love it when the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness? Isn't that fun? 40 days of fasting, being tempted by Satan. He, he goes through there. And so the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he goes into the wilderness and he goes through the temptation. He's hungry. At the end of that, the angels come and minister to him. And in Luke's gospel, Luke 4, he comes out and he says, and now Jesus came in the power of the Spirit. So now he comes in the power of the Spirit. What happens from that point, from, from him coming, having gone through everything, Holy Spirit on him, Holy Spirit at conception, Holy Spirit moving him into temptation, uh, not to sin, but with him as he goes through the wilderness experience, comes back out, now there's power. And he picks up the scriptures and he reads Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Amen. To heal the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. The authority of Jesus goes to our physical, to our emotional, to our spiritual, to our relational. It goes to every aspect of our lives. And so as, as he's going through that, he goes through there, releasing captives, Prisoners, we looked at that last week, or two weeks ago, no, last week, about prison doors being open, but because we're so familiar with living inside the prison cell, even though we have a, a way of escape, we have a means to be liberated and free, many of us stay in our cell because we're so familiar with it, and because the enemies lied to us and made us feel like if we get out there, it's going to be scary. In here, it stinks, it's not comfortable, but it's familiar. Oh, yeah. So we stay with the familiar and we never get to know the abundance of the new life that, that Christ has for us. So the Holy Spirit's on him. He, he, does, this, he does this incredible uh, you know, fulfillment of Isaiah 61, reads it in all their hearing. Uh, they, they love it. They love it, they love it, they love it, they hate it. They want to kill him. Oh, man. They try to throw him off the cliff. He walks right through the cloud. And then he casts out demons. The very, the very next thing, he casts out an unclean spirit, an evil spirit in a person. And then he does one of the first general, and he healed many. There's no telling how many people Jesus healed in his lifetime. Because oftentimes the multitudes were so great that all, all, it could, all that the, the authors could do is say, and he healed all of them. And it'd say the whole village went out to him and he cast out demons, he healed the sick. 
amazing. Yes. That's what the Holy Spirit's here for, folks. Mm-hmm. Hasn't stopped. Didn't stop when Jesus stopped. Still continues. That's why the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, all attribute to the reality that Jesus is the Son of God. And what he walked in, because he walked in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit, because he emptied himself, he was filled with the Spirit, he moved in the power and the authority of the Spirit, now all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and he commissions us. And so he commissions his disciples, and he says, now you're to go. He says, but before you go, wait in Jerusalem until you have received the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. When you get the promise, and they waited 10 days, they waited 10 days, they waited 10 days, and finally the day of Pentecost came. And the first sermon brought 3,000 new converts. I like that. That, that's, that's, a good, that's a good sermon. You want to preach the races next week? You're going to have more than an opportunity for 3,000 unbelievers to hear the gospel. I, I, I don't know where you are, but gosh, this is kind of coming up out of nowhere. You, you may need to really go to the track this week. You, you may need to go to the track this week and, and, and love some people with the gospel of the kingdom. Back in the day when I was a kid, there was a, an area called the snake pit. Anybody remember the snake pit at the track? Yeah, some of you. Don't tell me if you were ever in it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, no, it's not, it's not snake snakes. <laughs> I went through there as a 12-year-old, and I must have been offered like six, seven beers. You know, and I, I thought, why are they doing that? And they just seemed so happy. <laughs> All this kind of stuff. I thought, Man, I don't know what's going on here, but some of them look like they're really having fun. Some of them are throwing up. That doesn't look like fun to me. You know, it was just... When the Holy Spirit releases the ability to love, to exercise signs and wonders, and to proclaim the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, to proclaim to people that their sins are forgiven, to let them know that Jesus already paid for every sin they ever will commit. And, and to give them good news. Oh. Everybody else is coming to the 500. All the kingdom of darkness is, is coming. And, and they're going to try to traffic sexual, all sorts of sexual trafficking, all sorts of drunkenness, all sorts of, all sorts of, sorts of darkness. Church, let's rise. Let's go be light. Let's shine. If you feel it in your heart and the Holy Spirit, not everybody, you know, is going to be called to this. Kathleen, I don't really expect you to go to the 500 this week, so you, you, stay, you stay put. You pray for those that do. But there may be some that you're ready to go because the light and the love of the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is coming upon you, and you know that this is going to be a good fishing hole. This is going to be a good place to go catch a whopper. You could, go, you could go and become a fisher of men at, at the track. You can go on uh, practice days 
carburation day, all sorts of days that you have to go. If you feel like the Lord's calling you to go on Sunday. Okay. Okay. There's going to be that time when, when Sunday meetings is not going to be the priority of the day. It's going to be evangelism. It's going to be getting out and, and sharing the love of Jesus. That's not an excuse to just say, hey, I can go to the track. And while I get my hot dog, I'll say, Jesus loves you. Oh, I've done my good deed. Yay, I've served the Lord. I proclaim the gospel. Now let's get on to the race. No. I think you know what I'm trying to get at, you know, because the BMW championship and golf's coming up in Indianapolis. It's going to be here at Crooked Stick again. And I, I, I just feel the Lord just drawing my heart to minister to some of the golfers out there. I, I can just feel the anointing coming. And I, I thought, man, this is going to be good this year. I'm going to have to get ready to get my ticket. The Holy Spirit is so amazing. He makes this, this walk that we have so exciting. If you want to have the adventure of your life, do it. You know, invite the Holy Spirit to come in. We've, we've been going now for 15 weeks with a special class where we've got some folks that are committing three hours of their life. And we're asking the Holy Spirit to teach us how to prophesy, how to move in, in the gifts, how to heal the sick, how to cast out devils, how to go about living in the supernatural realm. And he's doing it. He's showing us all sorts of amazing things. And I shared with the class, you know, last week was Pentecost Sunday. And I, I, I love the Holy Spirit. I love Jesus. I love the Father. I, I just can't wait for them to rock this place, show up, just flip everything upside down. And usually, you know, Pentecost Sunday is usually on race Sunday. It's been on race Sunday many, many times. And I get so upset with the church because they're all at the track. And here it's time to honor the Holy Spirit, which is really the important key figure in the life of this era of the kingdom on earth. And so I have these expectations that it's going to be way up here. Holy Spirit, show up. Everybody's going to just get overwhelmed with your goodness, your love, and just you're going to, you're going to show up and just, you know, we're all just going to just get blasted in the best sense of the word. And then my reality is usually right around here. It's like, oh, it was a good Sunday. It was a good Sunday. I talked with leadership this week, and I said, you know, we really had a good Sunday last week. That was good, yeah. Was it less than what I was hoping for? Yeah, a lot less. And so I've been talking to the Holy Spirit about this all week long. Come on, what, what? I, I really want to get you out of the box. I, I really want you to be released. I really want to see you move and, and glorify Jesus. That's what you've been sent to the earth to do and to release the power and the authority to take... Ugh, just, I want to see that. Yes. And he said, well, if you want to see that, you've got to let other people play. It's not going to come because you have some anointing preaching experience. It's going to come because I'm moving through all my kids. When you look at this, when you look at Pentecost, 
Peter gets up and makes the big proclamation and you get 3,000 saved. But what happens before Peter? Everybody is speaking in a language they don't know and they're declaring the mighty wonders of God. Yes. 120. Wow. Are, are doing that. They're releasing. So the Holy Spirit's being released in all the people that are in the upper room and then all those that happened to come into Jerusalem that day get apprehended by the love of God, the power of God. Hmm. So what do you want today? Hmm. What might the Holy Spirit want to do today? What would the Father might want to do today? How would the Holy Spirit want to glorify Jesus today in our midst? Well, I've talked long enough. I wonder what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're a School of Kingdom Ministry student or leader, why don't you stand up? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if you're not in the School of Kingdom Ministry, you're a second-class Christian. We might as well say they're ridiculous at first because that's where the enemy's going to take you. Like, well, I must not be somebody because look, there's... No, 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 no. That's not true. Every, every one of us has access to the Holy Spirit. So I want you to just take a moment. If you need to put your palms like this and get rid of uh, what you're going to have for lunch, go right ahead. <laughs> but let's take a few moments and listen to the Lord. I'm going to ask the students to just look around and see if, if they see what the Holy Spirit's doing, if the Lord's highlighting anyone, if there's anything that they're receiving. Uh, feel free to do that. We want to have a wonderful time of ministry. Stevie, I saw dollar signs over you. I think the Lord's about to increase your income in some supernatural ways. That's my interpretation of the dollar sign. Could be something else, but I think you're getting ready to have some really cool financial blessings. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now that word goes to Steve. Aaron's married to Steve, so she gets in on it because she's married to this wonderful man. But what if you've got a financial need? Do you know what the father does for one? He may want to do for everyone that has a financial need. And instead of taking the posture of, well, the Lord didn't speak to me. He didn't give me a word. He doesn't love me. No, you have the ability that whenever the Lord speaks something to someone and it resonates with you or it hits something that you need, you receive it. You receive it. And guess what? You get it. You get it. Okay? Does that make sense? It does. It's called transitivity. Geometry. Geometry was one of my favorite classes. So Steve, we bless you. And Father, I don't know what all that represents in his life. I know he's a diligent worker. 
and maybe he gets some merit raises because of performance, or, or maybe, Lord, you've got something that he doesn't even see. But I just pray, Lord, that his eyes get so fixed and his heart so enchained with you that he can't miss the blessing that you want to pour out upon him and upon Aaron, upon their home. We bless them in Jesus' name. Lord have mercy. Okay. Anybody else? Come on, Chuck. Lord, we thank you for this time that we had today in your presence. And if anyone has to leave, they are blessed to leave. But I wouldn't ever leave if I were you. I would stay because something good's <laughs> happening. Okay, just so you can't say that he went on and on. It's 12.05 and I officially dismissed. But unofficially, I'm inviting you all to stay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.